Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who is abroad in New Zealand. What's up, John? Not much. Just regular spring where it's pouring rain and flooding in the morning and sunny and hot in the afternoon. Is that you? Yeah. Well, it's the it's two days. It's the day. It's Saturday. It's two days after Thanksgiving, which means we're one day into Christmas. Merry Christmas. How many days in the Hanukkah are you? Oh, they don't know. Soon, no, right? one, no one cares about Hanukkah. I don't know. They don't care that. about Hanukkah. They, they don't, don't care about true. Hanukkah. The media, the marketers, they don't care about it. They don't know what the day is. It's not like, you know, no one's, you're not seeing a Hanukkah commercial after Halloween. You're seeing Christmas commercials. It's Christmas time. No one's, no one's putting out menorahs because you can't even light a fucking candle until the first day. All right. It's like, what do, you, what do you got? This thing in the window? You got this this on the table, whatever it is. Can't do oil for eight nights, right? Eight nights of just oil. Sitting there. Yeah. 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 Something like that. You just got a bunch of candles. I don't know anybody who I've never actually seen or used an, an oil, an oil menorah. Really? Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that exists, right? That's got to exist. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure it exists. Google one right now. Yeah. You should you get one? one. No, I'm good. Eh, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't I got enough shit lying around here. I don't I don't need it. I don't need it in my life. Hanukkah oil menorah. I'll click this ad. It's the first one that comes up. <laughs> Your online Judaica superstore. There you go. The man, I it's like the Amazon for Judaism. Oh man. Searching this in a non-incognito window was a mistake. Cause yep. I'm gonna get some I'm gonna get targeted with this. Yep. All right, this is some bullshit. Come, you, come the first the result, the, it's just showing me candles and lighting oils and wicks, but it's the, the top results is a gallon of light olive oil. It's just a bunch of oils. Yeah. Hanukkah light mini gelled olive oil. I don't even know what that is. The point is no one cares about Hanukkah. That's all I'm Fair trying enough. to say. That's all Fair I'm trying enough. to say. Nobody cares about it. The media doesn't care about it. I mean, Jews really don't even care about it. It's not It's not a high holiday. It's just meant for uh, Christmas competition. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's not even in... It, and those it's kids just who because are, of common occurrence. And the kids who live in multi-religious households get gifts for the whole month of December. <laughs> there was some book that my, my niece... I saw my niece yesterday, my niece and my sister. And um, there was some book and Hanukkah came up. My grandmother was next to her and she's like, that's Hanukkah. It's like, then there's, there's eight nights of Hanukkah and only one night of Christmas. So you get eight gifts. I'm like, yeah, but you know, the, the quality of gifts can vary on a, on a night to night basis. Sure. At the end of the day, all things are equal. So, you know? so what was the normally, like, do you get the best gifts the last day or the first day? Is there like with your Jewish um, friends that you knew, would people be like, oh, I'm waiting for the last day. Cause that's when they give me the PS five <laughs> where the first day I get like a dreidel. <laughs> <laughs> no with, with i think every family does it differently with um when i grew up it was always like you you start and end with a banger and then the middle yeah. had Fill you know my mom basically always had something for all eight nights uh when i was when i was growing up for for me and my sister and the the middle it, it's like you know you kind of hit that that dip a little bit it was it was always fun though she'd always throw in like some weird jokey stuff in there and you knew you kind of knew what you were going to get for the most part 
like that first and last last one and then the um the 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 padding was always like the the unexpected stuff you know because there came a point where she's just like i'm not i'm not gonna surprise you just like tell me what you want and then (laughs) and then you get those things and then you get a bunch of uh silly tchotchkes along the way yeah sure makes sense you know um but now it's like you know once you once you grow up at a certain point like when we you buy all the crap you like want that, anyways, the, so. the, the, yeah it's, it's kind of slowed down and it was uh and it was cool you know you didn't, didn't really need it it was fine i mean right now she's she's pestering me my mom's pestering me back like what do you want what do you want what do you want i'm like nothing i'm good i, I get it that i'm like a terrible person to get gifts for because mm-hmm. i could just get the thing that i want yep and i will just you know gift card game gift card here you go buy what you want yeah that's true just do like some eShop eShop credit. It's yeah, exactly. always good. That's how it works. That's how it works. I just bought myself a hundred dollar eShop credit. Did you get, get it at uh, a discount? Uh no. I gave, but I did Black get. Friday. I'm sure there's deals on getting. Well, every eShop all discount. the deals are all the deals are digital. Like every game is on sale right. on Switch and other platforms. But on uh, with the Chase Freedom card, it's five percent back with PayPal. So I could do PayPal checkout at Best Buy. So I got a hundred dollar card, and then I'll just buy a bunch of random crap on uh, there you go. on the eShop store. Yeah, I see this on Amazon way. eShop delivery, a hundred for eighty nine bucks. Look at that Black Friday oh, deals, ten percent, ten percent off. There you 10% go, ten percent off. So probably yeah. a better deal. Probably should have done but, that instead of the PayPal hey. thing. But hey, you know, look, you can't. I mean, can't I might, get them all. I might, do, I might do that both. I might do both things. Yeah, because you buy enough games to warrant it. So it's true. It's true. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, uh, overall, the uh, had Thanksgiving. It was good. It was it was cut back. Uh, I could tell you as a country, we are completely fucked. Yeah, you guys have messed this up big time. Oh, you have no idea. Um, uh, oh, I've so, got a general idea, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's much worse than I could imagine. I because you you see all the people traveling around. You see everybody flying place to place. Like I just want to see my family. It's been such a hard year. All right, well, roll the dice. Give it a shot. Um, I didn't fly anywhere, you know, just and and the cases around New York and Jersey are still relatively low compared to the rest of the country. There are rising cases, but the uh, but the positivity rate is still pretty low. So but regardless, my my sister came by. She wanted to check something out in a store, something that had to be done physically. It was like seeing some jeweler about something so she's like you want to come for a ride i'm like okay go for a ride riding on route 17 in jersey which is and you pass a whole bunch of stores along the way jersey's so dense uh, that you're always passing stores there's always things when you're on these major highways and i and i'm telling you the amount of people this was black friday the amount of people that was that were out was staggering and highly concerning people lined up to get into home goods and Best Buy and this 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 um this store with a bunch of like furniture and light fixtures. It's like what what are you doing? Why why line up to do this? It, literally every deal is online. You don't have to go into a store. Not only are they online, they've been online for days. Well, I you guess if you want to touch the thing that you want to buy, right? Does that factor in at all, especially when it comes to like furniture no, and light fixtures and I stuff? Refuse. No. Okay. I refuse. Right. What are you going to do? I mean, fine. Don't do it that day. Do it another day. Why go Black the Friday? The deal is now. The, second, the second you see a line, turn around. Well, at that point, I'd buy something and then 
I'd get it shipped and then I'd return it if I if I don't like it. You got to adapt. Is it worth it? It's worth getting or spreading COVID because you you wanted a light fixture. For some people, the answer is very clearly yes. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. But the amount of people out and shopping was nuts. So my theory, this is my working theory of why of of how we're completely fucked as a country. Um, we obviously had Thanksgiving. People ignored the warnings and they flew all over the place. So we're, they're going to spread the COVID around. Okay, we're going to see some significant bumps. And then based on what I see in the stores, people are still going out to stores. So, okay, they we're going to definitely see some rising of cases in the next, like we're going to continue to see rising cases, especially in the next week or two. I mean, look, when I'll those would actually have say, repercussions. Looking at ESPN, sports is about to implode. <laughs> Like it just well, is like like there's teams that are like their entire teams have COVID. I'm looking now headline of ESPN. All three Broncos quarterbacks can't play versus the Saints. So all three of them are ineligible because they're not wearing masks um, around one of Jeff Driscoll, who tested positive for COVID-19 on Thursday. So and then also says the 49ers are not allowed to play in California, in San Francisco, because there's a ban on contact sports. And all of the Ohio State team has basically got COVID now. It's like literally sports is imploding. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> but so that's going to happen. And then about two weeks later, it's going to be Christmas, right? And people aren't going to give a shit about all that stuff. They're going to have a short term memory and they're going to be like, well, I don't want to see my family. It's Christmas time. And then so everybody's going to do the same shit. And then uh, and then there's going to be another spike in in early January and then new year's parties are probably going to happen as well. So yeah, early January, I'd say until mid January, we're going to continue to ride out this like really dark period. There's going to be, I give it till beginning of February. I give here's why, yeah, here's why I say mid January, mid January, I think is when we start declining in cases and hospitalizations and all these other things. Cause that's also when, so vaccinations are going to start in late December. I can't believe, I cannot Hang believe on. the I'm U.S.'s not. plan is just basically, yeah, yeah, give us the quick fix. <laughs> yeah. It's, such a, it's, it's as American it is as it's not even a quick fix because you got you to get a shot and then you got to get another shot a month later. It's but the yeah, perceived it's gonna... idea of this being a quick fix as in I don't have to change anything about my behavior. Just let me pay for something that allows me to do this. That it's it's amazing. It is this story is as American as you could possibly make it. Yeah. It is. But anyway, you figure that starts going on at the end of December, starts rolling out more in January. The actual calls for family gatherings are gone after Christmas and New Year's. So no one's gonna be doing that stuff and They'll, they'll just start saying inside. So that's when the numbers will start. It'll be that perfect storm. Just like now is the perfect storm that everything's going to go to shit. I think that's going to be the perfect storm for things to start rebounding. And I still put, uh, you know, more reasonable numbers to start coming in or already. Like, I think, I think we'll start to see a trajectory towards normalcy around at or by April. So when Trump said, yep, this thing's going to go away by Easter. He was right. He just forgot to say 2021. Yeah, exactly. That, he didn't say the date. year. So <laughs> Yeah, he just said, by Easter, this thing's going to go away. It was 15 people. Now it's going to be zero people. Yeah. So that's that's my prediction. We're screwed, though, because people are dumb. And you're just going to keep on barreling through. At least here, basically, mass compliance is near 100%. 
So that's one good thing being in New York and even in Jersey and all that stuff. But God, you imagine if this is what's going on in Jersey, think about all these places where they don't have mask policies and all these other things. Like we're screwed. We're screwed. I think uh, it's going to be a really dark and sad December. Wish I wish I had more optimistic things to say than that. Yep. Sad stuff. All righty. Well, but yeah, I saw it. I seen it. I seen the. Uh, I saw the uh, the people online really wanted to get that thing at Best Buy. What could you be getting at Best Buy in a store? A, tw- a two hundred dollar TV that'll break in about a year and a half. Yeah, but you know what's awesome about not going to a store and getting it? Someone brings it to you. You don't have to worry about loading it into the car. They just bring it to your house. Mm-hmm. Isn't that much better? Isn't yeah. that better? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Picking stuff up and having to drive it home is, uh, yeah, just have someone deliver it to you. You're done. Yeah, it, it's it's upsetting. Anyway, in other fun personal news, uh, breakfast updates. Let's see what we got here. What did I make? Did you have uh, leftover turkey? Did you make a turkey sandwich? No, I'm not not a turkey person. Right. You wanted to go down. Yeah, I want to road. talk about why you're not a turkey person. Why is that? Is it because you've um, been blessed with dry turkey all your life? I don't know. It's just kind of a that it's fine. It to me, it's an inferior chicken. It's, <laughs> it's uh, a big chicken. First of all, it's not. It doesn't taste like chicken, though. It do, it doesn't taste as good as chicken. No, it's got a bit more of a game gameness to it. Maybe I don't. Let me put it this way. I don't hate. I don't dislike turkey, but it's to me, it's just there. You know, like it. it I don't think I've I've had like one truly exceptional turkey, I think. And otherwise, it's just it's fine. You know, turkey's fine. It's fine. It just doesn't it doesn't set my world on fire. I'm never I'm not like I'm not it's not something I seek out. And if and if someone's like, hey, I got this chicken and I got this turkey, what do you want? I'd say I'd choose the chicken every time. But this is like full on cuts of meat, though, like sliced deli meat, right? You never see sliced chicken as a deli meat, right? You get a turkey sandwich. You can. I get. They actually. You know what they sell? That's actually pretty good. A uh, buffalo deli, a uh, buffalo chicken deli meat. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Sure. You could see or that. chipotle chipotle chicken. I don't think I've ever. You're right. As far as just straight up, I guess if they have one, they have to have the other. So it's just literally though it's the roasted turkey that's part of the problem. It's just the Thanksgiving turkey. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm this it's the same deal. Like I, same that's thing. one of okay. those turkey th- I don't I don't get super hyped about turkey cold cuts either. It's just fine. Yeah, I just think the birds in general are kind of me. Like we talked about chicken wings last week, but you know, when you actually get the full cut of the bird, like it's fine. It's just kind yeah, of Yeah, here's the thing. You want you want to give me like a real you want a real bird. Give me a duck. All right. Give me some good duck. not a hen are you a cornish hen fan uh the same as a chicken I can't, I can't put my finger on it i I think i've had it and it's fine oh i have had it yeah it's fine cornish hen's good yeah it's good but yeah it's it's like chicken adjacent the duck is like another level though well i mean like when we were in hong kong right that that fried duck with the pancakes is delicious <laughs> it's, as soon as i said that i was like oh man that would be that's another thing on my list between chicken wings and that duck pancake stuff with that sauce yeah, peking duck you get some peking duck yeah yeah with that hoisin sauce hoisin it's good 
Yeah, duck. Duck, I think is is the king of the birds, king of the poultries. What's better than duck? From, from the bird standpoint, I don't know. It's like probably, if you're if you're just going to be having like sliced sliced bird, that doesn't sound right. What about that fat bird that won that contest? You think that tastes good? The kidadu, the the giant pigeon yeah. here. Or yeah, the or yeah, the, yeah. the the yeah, I mean, I think they would taste good, but I'm the what makes the duck good is it's got that fat, right? Yeah, exactly. So the fat and the skin when it's all crispy is delicious. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think I'd eat duck on its own. Like duck's got to be kind of cooked, like the Peking duck style. Absolutely, yeah. Like I'm, I've had, I'm looking at actually, images of this, and oh god, this is oh. <laughs> duck and um, duck and Thai food is also very good. That's a that's a thing that I'll get as well. Yeah, but you you get some good cooked duck. Like if you're going to say what's the best, like I guess if you compare the best of the best, right? So if I'm going to take the best the best cooked turkey, the best cooked duck and the best cooked chicken from KFC, right? Obviously, that's where it's coming from. Then <laughs> then uh you know, I'm going with the duck every time. I don't think the best cooked turkey could ever could could reach the heights of the best cooked chicken or the best cooked duck. I see the turkey in a distant third place fair enough now granted my sister fried a turkey and i and maybe that's what'll do it it could be a cheat code to give it that extra it is frying the turkey keeps the keeps and that's the problem with turkey is that because it's a very lean bird and a very big bird it's very tough right it can be very tough very quickly Mm -hmm. and that's what frying it does it keeps the juices locked inside of the turkey but if you're gonna compare a like a fried turkey to a fried chicken and then a fried duck, which I don't even know what that is, but it, it's probably great, right? I still probably the the turkey is already at a disadvantage. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, turkeys. I'm sorry. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, so so a little breakfast updates um, after the the vegan French toast abomination. I uh, I bounced back and made myself a Dutch a Dutch baby the next day. And that was amazing. First time I've ever made a Dutch baby. Are you familiar with the Dutch baby? I have no idea what that is. Okay. I'm going to send you the a picture. Dutch baby. Dutch baby. A, uh, a Dutch baby is basically like a big ass pancake. And you, uh, you make it in a cast iron skillet. You throw all the, pa- it's probably like one of the easiest breakfasts you could possibly make. You throw all this hmm. stuff. I'm in looking at the, a picture now. It's also called a hootenanny. FYI. <sighs> Wikipedia says the Dutch baby pancake or Dutch baby, sometimes sometimes called a German pancake, a Bismarck, a Dutch puff, or a hootenatty. A Dutch puff? Yeah. Okay. I think that's something else. But, you know, if that's what they say, then who am I to argue with Wikipedia, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's quite it's good. good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. You, you throw this thing in the, uh, in the oven in a cast iron, it all bubbles up, looks all good, then it deflates. You dust on whatever you want. I dust on some powdered sugar because, um, you know, me. And uh, yeah, just just I, I didn't want to eat the whole thing, but you did. I did. And I regret nothing. It was it was amazing. It was great. Yeah, yeah. this looks like a like an elephant ear kind of in a pan, like a fair what? type of food with the uh, with the sugar on it. What it looks oh, like. Oh, like a uh, like uh, I know what you're talking about. A funnel cake. Yes. We call it the elephant ear. Who? Michigan. God damn it. Do you people also call uh, call soda pop up there in Michigan? Yeah, sure did. I called pop probably. I called soda pop probably the first 20 years of my life. 
And then when I moved to the South, I stopped calling it pop. Right. You got one. We don't call it soda pop. It's not soda pop. It's just pop. No, it's just pop. That's why I said, do you call soda pop? Comma. Not. Yes. No, I don't think think there's a comma, but the context makes sense. I get it. Because that's what they did in Buffalo. They called it pop. Yeah, of course. Good old Midwestern sensibilities. Pop. Mm. Good Mm. is a strong word. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I made a Dutch baby. That was great. I recommend it if anybody's looking for something, by the way, I got a lot of comments on that. They're like, this is great. Wow. This looks really, really awesome. How'd you do this? I'm like, this is the easiest fucking thing I've ever made. <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. You just, you basically just melt some butter in a pan. You, you, you make all the batter like you would a pancake. You throw it all in there and you cook it for 20 minutes. You're done. That's it. That's it. It is the easiest shit to do. Won't it was my first it was my first Dutch baby. Won't be the last. You know what's next, obviously. Matcha Dutch baby. Matcha matcha hoot nanny. <laughs> you can totally make a vegan Dutch baby as well. But oh fuck you. All right. Look, <laughs> the other thing I made the other thing I made was this. I just sent you the picture. I I did my uh, because my niece came over, I made some breakfast, so I took my first crack at a breakfast charcuterie board, which of course was just pancakes and french toast laid out on a wooden board. So there you go. It was well yeah. received. Maybe I'll make the maybe I'll just make the vegan version of what you make and actually make it right so it tastes good. Yeah, but I don't have any way of verifying. I just have to take your word for it. And also, you don't have my version of it to compare. Sure, it tastes fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Make the vegan Dutch baby. Yeah, like Tell here, me how coconut oil. Actually, a vegan, uh, vegan oil, Dutch baby. Plant-based yeah. milk, four flax eggs, vanilla extract. I did use plant-based sugar. milk because I only, the only milk I have is, um, is oat milk right now. So it's just the eggs. That's the only thing that's different that makes it not vegan. Yeah, eggs. exactly. Yep. So what do you substitute that with? Flax eggs. Okay. Or you may substitute with uh, so flax eggs soaked in water. I believe make flax eggs because it makes the same consistency. Is that Egg-like true? Texture. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I got nothing else to really talk about. So let's go over to some stories that I got. Got some uh, some deep stories. I don't. Do we want to talk about all these things? How deep do you want to go into this thing? Do you want to get like? Cause I got, I got two like kind of serious ones and then I got, let's go for it. I mean, what, what else, what else we got to talk about? I've got nothing today. Nothing. This, this is a good point. All right, fine. So here are your options. All right. We got, we got Oxycontin. <laughs> like I said, serious Oxycontin, Kristen Stewart and, uh, and penguins. Is that the order of seriousness that you just gave me? Um, the first two, yeah. Although I feel like the second one will probably be the one that is the most controversial. Well, let's do that then. Let's do that. So we get one that's not controversial, one that is controversial, and then we talk about penguins. Perfect. It's a good order. I think it's a good order. All right. Here we go. Reading from the AP, my most trusted news source. Remember, they called Arizona before anybody else did. Them at Fox News. and They were right. <laughs> Sort of, if you want to believe the Real media. News. Real news. Allegedly. Okay. Oxycontin maker Purdue Pharma pleads guilty in criminal case. So we all knew that was going to happen. Well, I didn't think they actually pleaded. Here we go. Let's read the story here. Let's go down this road. So it might, it's a little long, but you, you get it. 
Purdue Pharma pleaded guilty Tuesday to three criminal charges, formerly taking responsibility for its part in an opioid epidemic that has contributed to hundreds of thousands of deaths, but also angering critics who want to see individuals held accountable in addition to the company. In a virtual hearing with a federal judge in Newark, New Jersey, the OxyContin maker admitted in admitted impeding the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration's efforts to combat the addiction, the addiction crisis. Purdue acknowledged that it had not maintained an effective program to prevent prescription drugs from being diverted to the black market, even though it had told the DEA it did have such a program and that it provided misleading information to the agency as a way to boost company manufacturing quotas. Ooh, well, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, I told you. <laughs> It also admitted paying doctors through a speaker's program to induce them to write more prescriptions for its painkillers. And it admitted paying an an electronic medical records company to send doctor information on patients that encouraged them to prescribe opioids. The guilty pleas were entered by Purdue board chairman Steve Miller on behalf of the company on behalf of the company. They were part of a criminal and civil settlement announced last month between the Stanford, Connecticut based company and the Justice Department. The deal includes $8.3 billion in penalties and and forfeitures, but the company is on the hook for a direct payment to the federal government of only a fraction of that, $225 million. It would pay the smaller amount as long as as it executes a settlement moving moving through federal bankruptcy courts with state and local governments and other entities suing it over the toll of the opioid epidemic. Members of the wealthy Sackler family who own the company have also agreed to pay $225 million to the federal government to settle civil claims. No criminal charges have been filed against family members, although their deal leaves open the possibility of that in the future. Quote, having our plea accepted in federal court and taking responsibility for our past misconduct is an essential step, step to preserve billions of dollars of value, end quote, for the settlement it is pursuing through bankruptcy court, the company said in a statement. Quote, we continue to work tirelessly to build additional support for a proposed bankruptcy settlement, which would direct the overwhelming majority of the settlement funds to state, local, and tribal governments for the for the purpose of abating the opioid crisis, end quote, the statement reads. Purdue's plea to federal crimes provides only minor comfort to advocates who want to see harsher penalties for the OxyContin makers and its owners. The ongoing drug overdose crisis, which appears to be worsening during the coronavirus pandemic, has contributed to the deaths of more than 470,000 Americans over the past two decades, most of those from opioids, both legal and illicit. Cynthia Munger, whose son is in recovery from opioid addiction after after being prescribed Oxycontin more than a decade ago as a high school basketball player with a shoulder injury, is among the activists pushing the Purdue owners and company officials to be charged with crimes. Quote, until we do that and stop accusing brick and mortar and not individuals, nothing will change. And quote, said Munger, who lives in Wayne, Pennsylvania. I think you kind of get it. There's yeah, a little bit more, but it's, uh, what do you think? Are you asking whether or not they should be charging individuals instead of like, and also as well as just getting money, right? Because I think that's the main problem. How do you companies yeah. can pay money for this stuff, but there's very clearly, I mean, what you read was more than just, ah, we just kind of didn't do what we said we were going to do, right? Like, there's one thing as far as just like negligence, which is just you killed a half a 
half a million. You killed a yeah, half. But a million again, people. but it's, it's not just because oh, you guys thought it was under control, but it wasn't. It's like you are actively trying to push these drugs onto people, which to me yeah. is the difference, right? Like it's one thing if your company's just lazy, right? And it's just like, well, we could look into child labor laws, or we could just pretend like we did and we didn't. Versus like, hey, I actually built a board that specifically went to a country and then looked for children to put to work, right? Like it's that level of like you could say Apple doesn't necessarily do that directly. They just kind of cover their eyes when their phones get made. And I think that's kind of the problem here. It seems like people in this company were responsible for actually pushing oxycotton, oxycodone, all these things into the hands of pharmacists and doctors so that way they would be more inclined to prescribe these even though they're addictive and they're more dangerous than maybe a different painkiller that doesn't have the same type of addictive you know, traits to it. Yeah. What is the so line? So that's the problem, yeah. which is why I kind of agree with them. Like, You kind of got to do more than just, hey, pay us a bunch of money. You kind of be like, hey, look, you you were, you were past criminal negligence. This is like criminal conspiracy to push Oxycontin on people. You've killed half a million people. Yeah. And you knew for like decades. You knew. And you knew you did right? nothing about it. Like if you did it at the beginning, right? Like you don't you don't actually know. So you, you spend the first year or two being like, yeah, look at this. Yeah, we got this great thing. You're going to do what you have to do because you're a business and you do it. But the second you see, oh, this is, we're basically pushing heroin on people and then in turn they're actually getting heroin because the heroin's cheaper than than the oxycontin then that's when that you say oh, okay these guys are basically legal drug dealers and actually destroying the uh, chunks of the country and people's yeah, lives knowingly knowingly yeah. it's not like you came out with something and then didn't realize how addictive it was or didn't realize how easy it was for this to get made on the black market or pre- it was like you knew and not only did you do nothing about it, you then convinced doctors to keep doing it yep. by paying them. And yeah, so I don't know who you charge. And again, corporations are very good at hiding who's directly responsible for this stuff, right? Because I mean, that's the thing about America, right? Corporations are basically treated like people. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's the thing is the the fact that you incorporate being like, yeah, we're going to bankruptcy. So this is all going away. Party's over. We're done. Sorry. We'll pay the bill. And now the company goes away and someone can seize the assets and all these other things. But the beauty of incorporating is I'm safe. Yep, exactly. My personal finances that I've made a bunch of money off of don't get touched. It's just, yeah, just take the business. That's fine. Yeah. And I generally think that that's a good way of doing things, right? Because you don't want to completely ruin somebody for something that happens at a, you know, at a, corporate level if it's right, not sure. directly you know you don't just want to completely i would say when it comes it, to finance it's sure but not the criminal not the criminal yeah act. exactly so when it comes here this is this is where that kind of falls apart where it's like well you know how far up the changes this go probably to the top right like you would it imagine has it has to and everybody involved like what about these other people that are doing it like what about how do you be a sales rep Going doctor to doctor in the opioid crisis, still pushing oxycotton on people. Like, should yeah. those people be held accountable too? Isn't that See, isn't I guess that the, the thing? Isn't that right? the quintessential? Like, is I'm just yeah. following orders thing. It like, is. Isn't but that that's kind of, kind of why thing? this is very difficult. That's why it's very difficult to find people to charge because the guy goes, "I was just doing what my boss said. He didn't tell me how dangerous this was. He said it would help. You know, it would help you heal from serious injuries." 
he didn't tell me that that it would also be highly addictive. I've just heard anecdotes. And you know, maybe if the pharmacy stopped letting it get out, it wouldn't be a problem, right? It's not me that's a problem. People misuse all sorts of people misuse alcohol, right? Are we going to cause, you know, are we going to say that people who make alcohol are criminally negligent because somebody, you know, drives their car into a tree or, you know, whatever because they drank too much? Like it's that type of, you know, rationalization that you can make as you work in these industries, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it goes on here. The attorneys, the attorneys general and some activists are upset that despite the Sacklers giving up control of the company, the family remains wealthy and its members will not face prison or other individual penalties. The activists say there's no difference between the actions of the company and its owners who also controlled Purdue's board until the past few years. The last week, as part of a motion to get access to more family documents, the attorneys general who opposed the deals the deals filed documents that put members of the Sackler family at the center of Purdue's continued path for Oxycontin sales, even as opioid-related deaths rose. The newly public documents include emails among consultants from McKenzie, from McKinsey Corp. hired by the company to help boost the business. One from 2008, a year after the company first pleaded guilty to opioid-related crimes, they done this before, say, says board members, including a Sackler family member, quote, blessed him to do whatever he thinks is necessary to save the business, end quote. Another McKinsey internal email details how a mid-level Purdue employee felt about the company. It offers more evidence of the Sacklers being hands-on, saying, quote, the brothers who started the company viewed all employees like the guys who trimmed the hedges. Employees should do exactly what's asked of them and not, to, and not say too much, end quote. The documents also describe the company trying to, quote, supercharge, end quote, opioid sales in, two, in 2013 as, a, as reaction to the overdose crisis was taking a toll on prescribing. That's the whole article. So, yeah, these, these guys knew. They knew. They knew what yeah. they were doing. Of course they did because they were making tons they, of money doing it too. Yeah, and they got hit like a whole bunch of times for it as well. So, yeah, these guys got to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. And look, and quite frankly, I go to this, jail. Is, this is why I would say this is why a lot of advocates for cannabis are very upset because they go, you know, this is something that has proven not to have these types of qualities and also does these, you know, types of things as far as, you know, what's the point of you taking Oxycontin, right? It's because you're got massive pain and this immediately alleviates that pain. Mm hmm. And they would – I would argue that some people who believe that cannabis legislation should be federal and this is why it's not, right? Because there's yes. money to be made in this. There's not really money for the government to be made even though there is, right, through taxes and other things. But through legally providing something that is not owned by a chemical corporation, right? It's not owned by Pfizer or – Purdue or any of these companies that in a lab come up with this very powerful and dangerous and um, addictive drug. It's something that grows in nature. So yeah, like this is this is where people start saying, well, this is the problem with these types of corporations existing is that you actually don't get the best medical care that you can. Um, that we send to we tend to throw away other ideas because this one makes the most money. Yeah. Um yeah, pharma. Yeah, pharma. Big pharma is a big problem. I mean, now we're starting to see where it can be good. You know, when when you're looking at for unlimited amounts of money to create a vaccine as fast as possible yep. for a for a global pandemic, then yeah, okay, that's when the it comes in handy. But still, like that, there is some blood money that is funding that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And there is no doubt about it. And this is this these guys. At least they're going away. It seems like. 
And yeah, but, but there's but always I don't three think, or four but, other ones who are going to pop up. Yeah. yeah, and I and I don't see these guys as like if these guys don't go to prison, they'll only find the next game. Yeah. This is and now they got enough money to do that, right? They've got enough capital that they can do yeah. they can do this more and next time do it smarter. Yeah, these guys need to be like uh, what were the name of those guys from? Uh, uh, they they were in coming to America. That's but they were on the street in coming to America. But the guys from um, Trading Places. Those guys. Yeah. When I when I think about the you know the rich people that that need uh, they need something coming. That's what I think. <laughs> they're, they're those guys. Something in Randolph. 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 We're back. <laughs> you know those guys. But yeah, these guys got to go to jail. Hopefully, I, I thought the news was interesting because of the you know just the the opioid crisis being what it is, and it looks like. Something's finally happening to one of the biggest purveyors of it, of these yep. of these opioids in the country. So I thought it was worth knowing. So that's it. Like I said, serious news, but not very controversial. Unlike this next story. Buckle up for this. Reading from Yahoo Entertainment. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but if we have, it's been a while. Kristen Stewart addresses the slippery slope of only having gay actors play gay characters. Who better to talk about this story than two straight straight men? Kristen Stewart has a nuanced take on the ongoing debate regarding LGBTQ plus characters and whether they should be off limits for actors who identify as straight. The 30-year-old actress who stars in the upcoming Hulu film Happiest Season discussed the topic during an interview with Variety that published on Monday, November 23rd. The film centers on Harper, played by Mackenzie Davis, inviting her girlfriend Abby, played by Kristen Stewart, to celebrate the holidays at her parents' home, despite Harper's family not knowing that she is a lesbian. Dun, dun, dun. When asked whether gay characters should only be portrayed by gay actors, Stewart prefaced her response by pointing out that her career has been a fairly privileged one. Quote, I think about this all the time. And quote, the Jesus Christ of all that. What do you think they attributed Kristen Stewart's top? <laughs> like, you know how they say the the star of blank, you know, for context yes. of who this person might be. What what movie do you think they gave her? <laughs> for this Kristen Stewart yeah oh I mean she was in Charlie's Angels recently right yeah so it'd be I would say I would say it should be Twilight right because that's what I know her from yeah it it should be Twilight but but yes it's it's probably Charlie's Angels right yeah yeah that is exactly what because it's the last thing she was in yeah I guess did you see that movie no (laughs) I I watched it it was bad it was on yeah it was uh, yeah, it wasn't good. I didn't hate it. It was fun. It was fine. You know, it was just like schlocky B tier action movie. A lot of girl power. It was fine. Um, was that the movie with the with the random montage of girls doing things? That might have been. No, that was the other Charlie's Angels. <laughs> no, that was um, that was Captain Marvel. Anyway. Oh, no, no, no. That was that was this movie. They had a similar montage, but it was just random girls doing things in this. It wasn't. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, this she goes on to say, quote, being somebody who has who has had so much access to work, I've just lived with such creative abundance. You know, a young white girl who is straight and only and only really was gay later and is like skinny. Do you know what I'm saying? I so acknowledge that I've just gotten to work. End quote. 
Stewart, who is currently dating longtime girlfriend Dylan Meyer following a high-profile romance with Twilight co-star Robert Pattinson, acknowledged that she doesn't necessarily see the issue as black and white. Quote, I would never want to tell a story that really should be told by somebody who is, who's lived the ex- that experience, end quote, she said. Quote, having said that, it's a slippery slope con- it's a slippery slope conversation because that means I can never play another straight character if I'm going to hold everyone to the letter of this particular law. I think it's such a gray area, end quote. Stewart pointed out that the situation could depend on whether the community is welcoming towards the actor and whether the actor approaches the project with a sense of of connecting to it and wanting to be an ally. Quote, I will say Mackenzie is not somebody who identifies as a lesbian, end quote, Stewart said. Quote, she was the only person in my mind that could have played this with me. Sometimes, artfully speaking, you're just drawn to a certain group of people, end quote. Ultimately, Stewart offered a pretty sensible takeaway. Quote, so my answer is fucking think about what you're doing. End quote, she said. And quote, don't be an asshole. End quote. That's always pretty good advice. Not all actors believe that straight performers should feel conflicted about taking a queer role. This includes Kate Blanchett, who played a lesbian in, 20, in the 2015 drama Carol. Quote, I will fight to the death for the right to suspend disbelief and play roles beyond my experience. End quote. The Oscar winner said at the Roma at the Rome Film Festival in October 2018. In 2019, Scarlett Johansson told As If Magazine that she quote should be allowed to play any person or any tree or any animal. End quote. She had previously stepped down from portraying a transgender character following intense backlash on social media over the casting news. And if you're curious. Happiest season debuts on Hulu on Wednesday, November 25th. So it's out now. Go watch it. Go watch uh, Kristen Stewart and the other lady, you know, in uh, romance uh, in a rom-com in rom-com hijinks. What do you think? I'm interested in what do you think, but I will answer your question. I won't do that where I go. Well, you tell me and then I come up with an answer. Well, I can Look, tell you. I, I can tell you whatever you want to do. I, 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 I would say in principle, what she's saying is correct. But mm-hmm. because okay. for the last 30, 40 years, people in this community have not been properly portrayed, and there's many actors and actresses who are members of that community who have not been able to tell these types of stories, I believe this is sort of like – it's like sort of like the racism argument, right? Like, oh, yes, it would be great if everyone – if all lives did matter equally, but right now, we need to make sure that these lives matter first, right? Like, it's that type of argument. Which is why it's like, yes, of course, what you're saying is fine. Everyone should be able to play everybody. We should all be able to have these types of discussions where if, you know, if you're good at the role, it shouldn't matter whether or not you're this person or the other. But that's the problem, right? Like, that is the core of the problem. You keep picking Scarlett Johansson to play roles that I would argue there's probably people who are more qualified, not because they happen to be transgender, but because they're probably better actresses or actors in that role. Exactly. And that's a problem. Hollywood tends to find the same person because of star appeal, not because they're actually best for that role. So they tend to exclude a giant group of people by going, well, just give me the top 10. And the top 10 are always the same straight white woman instead of figuring out that, well, let's just find the person who's right for this role, regardless of what their Hollywood blockbuster making money making appeal is. So to sum that up, I don't think she's wrong. I just think it's kind of like, yeah, you got to step aside for a little while and correct what's happened so far so that way you can get to the point where we don't discuss this anymore if you actually do it correctly. Yeah. I think that it comes down to the it's not just a Hollywood thing because it also happens in in games as well. 
the like the the most prominent, the most prolific voice actors in games are Nolan North and Laura Bailey, who'd show up in everything. And Laura Bailey, did you play uh, Uncharted Four? I did not play Uncharted Four. Okay, yeah, there is a black character in Uncharted Four who's voiced by Laura Bailey, who's a white woman. Yeah, because you know why? Uh, because yeah. people are lazy. Companies are lazy. I just call Laura. She can do it. <laughs> they like, said, like, again, but they seriously are. And I look, I say this as I work in the film industry, right? The people that we tend to get is just because, oh, yeah, I know that person. That's easy, right? And it's always the same white dude because you just know him. And so it's just easy. It's the safest bet because they're not willing to take a risk on anybody else. They find a known commodity and they just stick with it because they're lazy. In the but the other the other thing is with those guys, I don't I don't necessarily think a a voice actor is going to a is going to bring somebody to the table. I think it's brought on by I, I was listening to an interview with the head of Naughty Dog, Neil Druckmann, who and he said he's like they when when they were casting for The Last of Us Part Two and they're casting for Abby, they're like, not Laura Bailey. Like it's too much. Like we can't yeah, it's too much. Like it's somebody yet, else. But like she gave the best performance. So that's that's what they went to. And they said for Nadine, they kind of disconnected the the voice from the from the character themselves. And they're like, this is this is the this is the best voice for the character design that we have. You know, so it just happened to be that that's voiced by that person. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Uh, in the instance of the Scarlett Johansson thing, she has I, I don't know who has a greater box office draw. So that is definitely monetization driven in an industry that's that needs to be ruled by that. It, I mean, I don't know who is producing that thing, but you obviously look at that as a draw. She's a great actress. It's ruled by money. So it's by it money. In. Exactly. It's, it's how we do all this stuff. Yeah. Who's going to give me the most draw? Is she available? Right. And what's her rate? How much is this going to cost us? And is it worth what we think we can make by putting her as ghost in the shell instead of getting some Asian person who is not really known yet? And I still have to pay her, but that's a bigger risk that because no one knows who it is, that movie's going to bomb. And guess what? The movie bombs anyways. <laughs> well, it wasn't very good. So, I, so uh, But again, I think that's kind of the point, though, of like, if you're going to make these roles, for now, can we actually just make them actually accurate for what you're trying to do? Like, you're trying to get more minorities and more LGBTQ plus people into media, right? That's a push that's happening. Why not actually have the the minorities be part of these groups? Why just say, well, here's your character, but just get this white actress, even if she's necessarily the better performance, right? What if there's actually potential for someone else to grow into that role? They might not give the better performance on the day, but over time, what happens if their performance is indeed better after you work with this person, after you actually learn how to write for this for this type of character? Like That's the problem of just going like, well, it's meritocracy. And we just find ex- over overall these person these people are more experienced. It's like yeah, because they've obviously had more experience. They've had more time to gain the experience. Give someone else a chance. Yeah, yeah. My take is that I think you can. I I definitely agree more with. I mean, Scarlett Johansson's note, uh, what she's saying. I I agree with the core of what her quote is. Should be allowed to play any person or any tree or any animal. Yep, absolutely. I agree. But here's the but, right? I, I, the better the reason why is it should go is any given role should go to the best actor that can portray that role best. I don't it think it should. I don't think it should default. That that's kind of where I where I land. 
And in the and if you have somebody who's starting at a position where they can really relate to the role, then you're probably going to get a better performance out of it. But it might not be as good as another actor or actress. That doesn't necessarily mean, oh, we should always go to Scarlett Johansson, because I don't think it that's the right answer. I think you can find actors as actors and actresses as good or better than Scarlett Johansson who fit any profile, even if they are another straight white woman who's just might be a little bit less known. But if they deliver the best performance for that role, then let them do it. Uh, I think about like Peanut Butter Falcon, right? Have you seen it? I, I know what it's about, but I've not watched it, no. Yeah, so that that actually has a kid with Down syndrome playing the kid with Down syndrome, who's like a pivotal character in the movie, and it's great. And I don't think you could get a better performance from that than somebody else, but you have seen previously people portraying people with mental illness, yep. such as, you know, what it, didn't Dustin Hoffman win, a, win an Academy Award for it? Yeah. Yeah, so, and you see that all the time. Because what happens is you see all these other things happen, like comments about ableism, right? So you'll have somebody who, like, if you did something, my left foot again, where you got uh, Drew's favorite actor over there uh, playing playing that guy who's like who's who's like completely disabled. But if so, in that case, if that movie was made today, you're going to have people come out and be like, why didn't you choose an actual disabled guy to play sure. the disabled but guy? But then you could say, well, Daniel Day-Lewis is one of the best actors of all time. Exactly. And that's what they'll say. Yeah. But there there comes a certain point where that line has to be blurred and crossed and because you're going to have to eventually find an actor to portray something that either doesn't exist or can just be done better by an, by an actually seasoned actor or actress Versus somebody who fits the, I'm going to say the the politically correct criteria that you're looking for at a starting very, point. It's very weird though, because I would say for something, I'm going to say something that's probably going to make actors very upset, right? Here we go. Or Drew, maybe not. Earmuffs. earmuffs, Drew. Earmuffs. No, this actually is good for Drew. Oh, okay. Never mind. I think this Take is my point off. though, that I actually don't believe that the line between good actors and great actors is as big as it is for other professions, right? Like, I believe that you can be a fairly good actor and you can have good training and you can, you know, really take pride in your craft. And a lot of times it's just being in the right place at the right time and someone to take a chance on you to do this role. So I don't think that there's a giant difference between Drew and name famous actor who's gotten a bunch of roles, right? Not like, the I Rock. just don't think there's. Sorry, Drew, I, The Rock's better I, than you. Yeah, I I just don't see it because I would say if you actually gave this person the same opportunities and the same repetitions, right? It's it's not like basketball, like for example, right? Like you've got a kid who's good at basketball, he'll never be LeBron James, right? Because LeBron James is a physical, he's got physical gifts that are once in a lifetime, right? Height, size, speed, stamina, you know, able able to not be injured, all those things, right? Like some of that is just like, well, look, this guy is very clearly gifted and he's great at what he does, where there's someone who might be technically just as good as him, but they don't have the physical attributes to actually do it. Where acting, right? Acting can be taught. Now, there's some people who aren't very good at it, and for other reasons, they're not able to be good actors. 
But there's plenty of people who are really good actors, and because they're not given a shot because of connections and this person and favors and all the other things that control these types of industries, it's hard for me to say that Laura Bailey is by far and away more qualified than someone who hasn't been given that opportunity the same way she was originally given that opportunity so many years ago, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not that she's this physical specimen who's the LeBron James because all these other women can't do what she does. I believe there's plenty of women who, if they would have been given the opportunity, would could be in the same position that she's in. Now, again, I'm not saying that she hasn't worked hard. I'm not saying that she's not great at what she does. But I don't think that the gulf between her and the next up-and-coming voice actress is so giant that the other person can't catch up to her if they were actually given the same exact career path that she was given. Yeah, or, you know, just given the shot. I mean, with all the people in the world that could do it, there are going to be – yeah, you're right, because what what is that difference? I mean, there's and so that's many – the thing. The, the difference is not like, – I, like I never understood – I never understood, and here's – this is another thing that goes back to Scarlett Johansson's uh, comment, which I – is that, like, I never understood the, like, DreamWorks putting – I think DreamWorks does it more egregiously than something like Pixar – putting like top tier voice talent, top tier actors and actresses as voice talent in their movies. Yeah. So I think about like Kung Fu Panda, right? Scarlett Johansson voices like the tiger or something. No, that's Angelina Jolie. Uh, but anyway, like why, why the hell is Angelina Jolie being a voice actress in this movie? Like yeah. why, what, what the hell is the benefit there? Or like any, like they replaced, I, I forgot what it was, but there was some TV show where John DiMaggio, who voices Bender and is like one of the best voice acting talents working on the planet. Right. I think that's an easy statement to make. They, his role had a, had a movie and he was replaced with another actor. Yeah. Like, why would you replace John DiMaggio? You could have saved potentially millions of dollars and had a much better performance, but you want to have that guy running the circuit to push the movie more yes, than again, you would. It's all about John finances. Magic. It's all finances, right? Getting Jack Black to go promote Kung Fu Panda is better than someone else playing this role, even if they could train to have similar mannerisms and similar things to Jack Black. Jack Black is a better sell as Jack Black, not as necessarily playing Kung Fu Panda, right? And so that's the problem with most of this, that it is just financially backed. And, you know, you get lucky as an actor. You get right place, right time. You get a role that works for you and you do a good job. It's not that you don't put in hard work, right? Like, don't get me wrong. You do the job. But then they tend to stick to those people because of money. They don't stick to those people because they're always perfect for the role. And I would argue, sure, Laura Bailey, they can say, yeah, yeah, she gave the best performance. But I would say because you have a trained commodity that over time has perfected this craft, if you gave it to someone who could have played this role differently, is there a chance that you could have launched their career in the same way? And you'll you'll never know. You never find out because people get burned out of these types of industries because they realize, well, it's not really fair and I'll go off and do something else with my life. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But I... I I still think that in in the comment that um, that Kristen Stewart made about the uh, the slippery slope, the idea of actors, you're kind of conflating a bit the difference of fitting the profile of the character versus starting. And I did the same thing and starting the um, 
and then finding a more of a no-name different actor than this person because you're just going to default to that person, that laziness, right. let's call it. Yep. So I, I still am in the camp of, like, I think the, the core of Scarlett Johansson's comment where, you know, she wants to play a transgender character if they really thought she was the best person to play that character because they couldn't find somebody else and, you know, really fit the profile, then cool, go for it. If, if, if the performance is good, if the movie's good, I think that whatever's best for the for the craft at that point, because the craft is in itself acting itself is a craft that's defined by becoming something that you're not. Well, it's also defined by the, I mean, there's a lot of great actors, right. Who have been in awful movies. And a lot of times it's got nothing to do with them. It's the writing of the character. It's the people around them. It's the work environment. There's so many variables to what makes someone's performance. Great. It's very rare. And again, like there are these actors that exist, right who can make something that's kind of poorly written, still entertaining because they put enough of themselves into that. And that's very rare. Those are the people that are really, you know, they've got personalities and things that sort of come out on screen, but really most of the actors are kind of empty vessels and they're going to be as good as the writing is that you give them. Yeah. And if anything, I would say that the, the representation would be more so on the other side of the camera to make sure that the, that the actual performance that's coming through is representative of the experience that you're trying well, to convey. And that's that's the crux. I mean, we talked about this, right, with the Academy Award, what they're yeah. going to force sort of these new categories to be in order to qualify for these categories. What do you need to hit? And that's exactly what it is, right? When you make a movie with black people who are behind the camera and making the decisions behind the camera, there's a good chance that they're going to put those same types of people in front of the camera as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's, um, let's see what the reviews are like for this movie see if anybody likes it and people like it too look at that 85 percent from the from the critics 88 percent positive from the from the audience that's pretty good so considering that half of your half of your lesbian couple there is not even it's not even bi we'll say in the spectrum of gay to straight right obviously it's still it's still a decent movie yeah. And look, but the problem is now stuff has become so political that people will go and review bomb movies even if they've never seen them. Like my parents are telling me about a show called Hillbilly something that's oh, came yeah, out Hillbilly on Netflix. Hillbilly Elegy. That's what it's called. Yeah. And how there's white people who are very upset that they're being portrayed in this way as far as Appalachian people with missing teeth and doing drugs and all the stuff that, you know, you would argue I'm sure happens there. And I'm sure it's been dramatized or you know there's been extra fluff added to it to make it worse than maybe it is but the people going review bomb are going i don't like the way that you're depicting me yeah there's uh the the quote from you know tomato rotten tomatoes they'll have a line that kind of summarizes the critics this is basically what i've seen as well which sounds about right this is what it says with the form of an award season hopeful but the soul of of a bland melodrama hillbilly elegy Stands strands some very fine actors in the not so deep south. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to watch this movie. Yeah, but again, but but that's just literally just that's the criticism, and everything has become so politicized that it's oftentimes not about the movie, right? Like Scarlett Johansson not taking this role has really nothing to do about whether or not the writing is good or whether or not they found the right person. It's just been wrapped up in politics with it. Exactly. Yeah, because if it happened. 10 years ago. Yeah. Probably would have been fine. Yeah. But even then it's like boys don't cry. Right. Wasn't that a movie about a trans person? Didn't Hillary Swank play a trans yep. person in yep. boys don't cry. 
No one gave her shit then. Didn't she win it and get nominated I mean, for an Academy Award? I mean, Award? hell, wasn't Robert Downey Jr. nominated for yes, he an was. Academy Award for yes. Tropic Thunder? Like yes, that's exactly was. that's the same exact case, right? Where back then, yeah. again, I I think Tropic Thunder is still hilarious. Yeah, but but he, it works in the in the intent. Yes, the intent it works is what it comes in the down intent, to. But it's got nothing to do with the intent. If you made that movie today, it would be review bombed and boycotted, and we'd be talking about it all over the media. That's got nothing to do with the intent, and I think that's the problem, right? It's the pendulum thing I always bring up. Yeah. Would would I personally say we've swung a little too hard to the other side? Yeah, I would. But they're not wrong, right? That's what makes it tough. They're not wrong. But if it means we're not going to get movies like Tropic Thunder, I think it's a shame. But I get it, right? <laughs> like, I get it. I understand it. But Tropic Thunder was been was able to be made in a time where you could make those types of movies. You can't make that stuff anymore. Yeah. I just don't like that. The, the problem with this kind of criticism is, like, what's your goal? What's your goal? Like, what when you attack this... What is like if someone's attacking Scarlett Johansson for playing a transgender character? What's your goal? Do you and and it goes back to like my left foot thing. Like, is your goal to put everybody in a box so they could only do the th- only portray the things that they are? Like, what is I would say the, that's the cynical is, side that, of it. The is goal that really is to get goal? more transgender and more I don't think disabled that's bodies. Right? I think yeah. that is the goal from those groups. I don't. I don't think they have a goal. I just think they're. I just think that is their goal. I think their goal is for machines. people who are they're trans trans people who want to be in films. There's people who everyone wants to be in movies, right? Like that's yeah, and I that's, and I think that's fine. Right. I think that's a okay. But a imagine movie. if you're a trans person and you're saying I'll never be able to get some of these roles because who I am, and then there's finally a role that I feel like I got a good experience that I can go try out for, and then I just hear that it's going to get Scarlett Johansson to play it instead. Like, you can see how that would be a little disconcerting of going like, well, I can't play this roles that Scarlett Johansson can play. I can't go be Black Widow. But I've got a chance of being this other thing, this other movie, this other character, and they just get Scarlett Johansson anyway. So why does she get to be Black Widow and this person and that person and this and that? You see, I, I see where their frustration comes in, where it's just like, we're well, just going to get Scarlett Johansson's for everything, which means I'll never have a chance to break into this. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I get yeah it. So, but but again, but your argument's not wrong either. That's what I mean. I think that's the more cynical side of it. As in, well, you just want everyone to play what they are, and that makes it fair, right? When I would say no, the problem is the fact that because it isn't fair, you have to go a little hard to make sure that it is fair, where you can then get to the utopian place where meritocracy can exist. But the problem is meritocracy is always going to be a myth until you roll back the last 100 years of inequality. And that goes for regardless of race and sexual orientation, all these things, right? That's just for everything. Hey, we didn't have Asian people playing in Asian movies, right? We've had how many white guys have been in Asian movies about being Kung Fu masters or about feudal Japan, even though they sort of take the John Wayne played Genghis Khan. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's that type of stuff where you're just like, really? We can't find a capable Asian guy to play Genghis Khan? Really? <laughs> so we're going to get John Wayne. Like, that's – and again, that's where that's where it comes from. Have you ever, have where, you ever heard any of that? Like, have you ever seen any of that stuff? No, I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's highly offensive. Hang on. It's it, – you know what? 
Hang on, vamp for a moment while I see if I can find uh, a good. <laughs> but that's the but that's the problem. Like I think we could get to that point where then you could have John Wayne playing Genghis Khan, and then you can have um, the dude from The Walking Dead play a role that was originally written for a white guy, right? Like in generally, you should just be able to have actors be actors, regardless of you know you just pick the best of the best. But for so long in Hollywood specifically, we didn't pick the best of the best. We picked the prettiest face. We picked the guy who's, you know, you play golf with his dad, right? It's like all of those things of why people get into Hollywood. I mean, look, Nicolas Cage, it comes from a family of actors, right? So is Nicolas Cage that great of an actor? Again, we all laugh at Nicolas Cage because he takes these crazy roles and he's a real quirky dude. But if he wasn't a Coppola, would he even be in the position that he's in? And I'd argue probably not. All right, here we go. This is John Wayne's most awkward dialogue from The Conqueror. There are moments for wisdom, Jamuga. Then I listen to you. And there are moments for action. Then I listen to my blood. I feel this tartar woman is real. me. And my blood's... I don't know if that's real. That can't, that can't it might be not real. be real. No it might, might have been duped. All right, here, all right, here no we go. No way. Is, this is from the actual, let's see, from the actual movie. Come on. I just want to hear, like, I just want to hear John Wayne, like, say some shit. Because that was, like, this is. No more. We'll take twice that number. Anyway, the, the point is, it's it's pretty awful and it's hilarious. It's John Wayne playing something. Genghis Khan. I know, but it's just. Asian but the reason the reason why I say it's like you say it's probably really offensive is it's not even John Wayne doing a like a like a Chinese accent or it's like, just it's or it's Mongolia, just John just him Wayne. Yes. Yeah, it's just or whatever, Yeah, sorry, it's or doing any sort of Asian accent. It's just John Wayne being John Wayne. Yeah, and he now he looks offensive. But he doesn't sound bad. Yeah, he's got the mustache, right? And he's got the yeah, like it's, yeah, it's it's bad, it's bad. But it's the but same yeah, thing I, with white people playing black people and white people playing Native Americans and all the things that we've been talking about forever. As far as you know, white people getting the roles and playing minorities, it's the same discussion, right? What happens when you loosen that up? You get Denzel Washingtons, right? You get great actors and great you know people in these roles. And just imagine if you just said, well, the best qualified person is this white dude who's been in the movies for 20 years. Just have him play, you know, the dude in Training Day. Like, that that's the problem with it. Where it's like, eventually, you will find the great trans actors. You will find the great, you know, um, people yes. in the LGBTQ community who can play these roles. But you won't find them if you don't take chances on them. Yeah. And honestly, I, I would look towards Netflix and Amazon Prime to to really see and i would say that's the, the problem i would look at disney and i honestly well, disney t- uh, i've disney got t- some i've got sure. some inside information though that disney is working on doing these types of things but it's got to be disney it's got to be these because again there's only five studios there used to be six right because it used to be fox fox doesn't exist anymore so now there's five major studios that basically produce the majority of the content i don't know what the percentage is now because obviously amazon and these things just start to upended this a bit but it's a very high percentage it's at least 75 85 percent of the content is produced by one of those five studios even if it goes on the netflix right yeah. they've got to push themselves to do this because there's plenty of work for scarlett johansson she's not going to run out of jobs she won't she'll be fine it's yeah. give some of these other actors a chance to take these roles that's it 
All right. Let's move on. All right. This is a quick one. Talk about penguins. Penguins. Do you Famous. say penguins or penguins? Penguins. Penguins. P-A-N-G. <laughs> penguins. Is that how you pronounced did. it? Definitely did not. Well, maybe I did. Penguins. Penguins. Not a penguins. penguins. <laughs> famous, famous gay penguin couple at Australian Zoo adopts another chick. This is the second time the couple adopted an egg from a heterosexual couple that had two. This is reading from the, in the Independent. Here we go. The famous same-sex penguin couple that made international headlines after becoming parents for the first time have decided to expand their family by adopting another chick. Named Sven and Magic, also known as Svenjik together. Oh, Jesus Christ. Really? Okay. Are now the proud parents of an of a new Gentoo penguin. Penguin chick hatched in the Sea Life Aquarium in Melbourne. Quote, we are beyond excited to welcome the new penguin chick to uh, chicks to our colony. They are doing really well and gaining weight. Okay. They start they started at around 95 grams. Now now our oldest is almost 2 kilograms and the youngest is sitting at around 399 grams. And quote said Kerry Dixon, Sea Life Sydney Aquarium Penguin Supervisor in a press release. That's a hell of a title. Aquarium Penguin Supervisor. This is the second baby the couple has adopted after successfully hatching their first egg in 2018 that gave birth to their first chick, Laura. The couple were the couple were given the egg by staff from a heterosexual couple that had two eggs already. Laura, nicknamed Svenjik, is now grown up and starting a family of her own. The aquarium wait, wait, said, wait, wait, quote, wait, wait. "Yeah, go ahead. Say that again. Why is the nickname harder than the real name? <laughs> Svenjik? I yeah, I don't know. It's Australia. They're weird." <laughs> I don't know, they just do weird shit, you know? The toilet water goes the other way and everything's all backwards and upside down. It's just how it goes. Also, didn't I say someone, someone, before, someone who lives further south than Australia, I can confirm that none of that is true. Also, they called they called uh they said names Fen and Magic, also known as Svenjik. And then and then Laura's nickname Svenjik. So why why does why is her nickname the combined names of the parents? It's even stranger. Complicated. Anyway. Yeah, is now grown up and starting a family of her own. The aquarium said, quote, Lara is now two years old and surprising us every day with how independent she is. And quote, the couple was spotted by the aquarium staff after before after before the breeding season 2018. After before this is I'm reading this verbatim. The couple this was spotted. Rough. <laughs> the couple was spotted by the aquarium staff after before the breeding season. <laughs> 2018. God damn it, independent. And became an international it's probably sensation. Written by some algorithm. <laughs> probably. After getting after getting featured in, in a Netflix documentary, atypical. It's probably the Netflix algorithm. Penguins, including Gen 2 penguins, are one of several species where same-sex couples are relatively common. The couple's love story started with collecting pebbles, pebbles to create a nest in their spot, says the Aquarium website. According to the Sea Life website, Sven and Magic began developing a strong bond and became inseparable before breeding season and are constantly seen waddling around and going for swims together in the penguin ex- expedition, end quote, the staff said in 2018. Quote, to ensure the couple were not excluded from the season, Magic and Sven were given dummy egg, given a dummy egg to allow them to practice incubating and develop their skills, end quote, the website added. Wow, imagine getting that dummy egg and then it never hatching. 
what are we doing wrong? Yeah. It's probably your oh, but fat it's the ass. experience. Oh my god, no, I'm trying. <laughs> it's the experience. Don't worry, it's the experience. Or do they just swap it out one night and it's like here's this full grown penguin? Then it's all like, of a hey, sudden, I'm, I'm your kid. <laughs> they swap it out, out of that egg yesterday. And, then, and there's Laura. She's like, hey, what's up? Great, it's Laura. But you could call her Svenjik. This is stupid. <laughs> <sighs> I do like the one thing I do like about this article though is uh, it's it's uh, it's a foreign article. And I could pronounce every word. There you go. So that's something. And Svenjik's not a word. And yet I, I think I nailed it. Yeah, this is a fun little lighthearted, lighthearted treat for you. You know, it's the news you need to know about. The gay, the gay penguin couple has a as a second as a second chick. Good for they them. didn't give the name of that one though. No, not yet. Haven't named it yet. Also, whenever I read things in weight of grams, so when they say 95 grams, um, I don't know about you, but when I was first in school and learning about the metric system, they said one gram is one M&M. So anytime I think about something in grams, I always think about M&M. So 95 grams, 95 M&Ms. That's how heavy that penguin is. There you go. Pretty good. Yeah. I, I did not learn that that way. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, it was probably said anecdotally and that's the only thing that stuck to me because I'm me. That's all I got for the news. Unless you have any, Thing you wanted to bring up about that uh the penguins no i guess is you, I'm, uh, I'm happy to hear about those penguins i hope they have a uh hope they have a happy raising of this new chick yeah yeah as do i so let's move over to a little reddish bluish blackish jewish this shouldn't be here but it is because i put it here reading from syracuse.com via reddit where i found it Governor Cuomo, Dr. Fauci nominated for Times Person of the Year. Okay, this is breaking news as of, well, yesterday. It's not really breaking at all, is it? Governor Andrew Cuomo and Dr. Anthony Fauci have been nominated for Times Person of the Year. Time Magazine released its list of reader poll nominees Wednesday for, for the 2020 Person of the Year's honor. The governor of New York and Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, were nominated for their roles during the coronavirus pandemic. Along, along with essential workers as a group. Among the 80 nominees this year includes President-elect Joe Biden, President Donald Trump, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, New York Rep- Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmore, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, WNBA star Sue Bird, NASCAR race driver Bubba Wallace, singer Ariana Grande, that's a weird one, South Korean boy band BTS, oh, they <laughs> Russian Russian President Vladimir Putin, the World Health Organization, rapper Kanye West, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, and the Black Lives Matter movement. It's just Meghan, literally people in the news. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, basically. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, who left the royal family earlier this year, are also nominated. Time has named a person of the year for nearly 100 years, recognizing an individual or group that has had the greatest influence on the events of the year, for better or worse. A wide range of figures have received the distinction, including Nazi leader Adolf Hitler, President John F. Kennedy, the computer, Barack Obama, Barack Obama, civil rights icon, 
Martin Luther King Jr. I thought King you said Jr. the computer, Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, that could be read that way, the way the comma's there. The computer, President Barack Obama. <laughs> that's one thing. He's not a real person. He's too perfect. Civil rights, that's why he did all that drone stuff. It was just a calculated effort by the computer. Of algorithm. course. He was yeah. sending his friends out there. Exactly. Civil rights icon, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Pope Francis. Greta Thunberg, the Swedish climate change activist, was named Person of the Year in 2019 and has been nominated again this year. You can vote for this year's Time Person of the Year at the website. The results of the poll will be revealed in early December, and the Time Person of the Year 2020 will be announced on December 10th. Did Trump ever win Time Person of the Year? Did he win in 2016? I know he thinks he did. I don't know if he did. Time. Yeah, if you ask him, he did. But I'm I'm trying to find the real factual information of who did he ever win Person of the Year. I mean, he had. While I'm looking this up, he has fake pictures fake time magazine covers <laughs> of him <laughs> time magazine Beautiful. yeah yeah it's great all right uh so let's see let's go backwards here so in the last 10 years greta thunberg 2019 the guardians was 2018 talking about like journalists who face persecution arrest all that stuff okay the silence breakers in 2017 that was like the me too movement uh yeah and yeah 2016 was donald trump go. yeah there you go. Yeah. Huh. Then 2015 was Angela Merkel. 2014 was Ebola fighters. So how can think- you not make the COVID-19 like the nurses and the medical professionals the person of the year for 2020 if you can make the Ebola fighters? Yeah, right? that would be the... Um, so like what that, That's say? easy. That's done. The essential workers. As a group. Yeah. That's what that exactly. would be. The essential workers. Yeah. Just general. Like and the that's front lines. Everything, right? That's all cultures. Everyone knows what an essential worker is. So just the essential workers, the people working at the grocery store, the people working at medical professionals, the people keeping things afloat as we're all trying to stay safe from this virus. Done. I just did their job for them. Yeah. So here's here's where Trump would be pissed because Barack Obama was on the cover twice. <laughs> Both years he ran, he was he he was on. He was on twenty eighteen and he's two thousand eight and twenty twelve. Oh, Trump's gonna be real mad. Even even Putin has one. Yeah, but Trump was on. He's got Putin was right, on but once. that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that Brock's got two. Mm-hmm. Is he the only one that's been on the cover twice? No, the American soldier has been on the cover twice, and George W. Bush was on here twice as well. Yeah, there is. There, there's definitely some repeat. Some yeah, repeat Bill Clinton. People. Every president is like on this thing twice within the last. Nixon years. was on twice. Yeah. Two years in a row. He was on. Is he the only president that's not been on twice since? Was Bill since I guess George H. W. Bush? Yeah, I guess single term, single term, you don't win. But even that would, if he won, he Reagan still was on twice. Game. Every president that's basically when you get two terms, you get on the cover twice. So maybe it's yeah. Joe Biden. Maybe Joe Biden gets it's it. Very, very American and a pope. Popes always get on it. It seems it is. <laughs> 1969, the Times Person of the Year was the Middle Americans, also referred to as the Silent Majority. Those are Trump's people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was so so what do you think you think they're they're the ones who get it then you think they're the they're the winners who all things equal who's uh who is your person of the year essential workers essential workers for me it's absolutely the people that we deem to be essential workers because it's very interesting that uh, especially in america a lot of jobs that we thumb our nose at all of a sudden became very essential for us the guy stocking the groceries at the grocery store all of a sudden his job became one of the most important jobs in the world the drive-thru window guy. 
Yeah, I just, uh, again, the people who do the jobs that we tend to go, I'm not doing that job. And yet you realize how much you rely on people to do these jobs. The people cleaning things, right? The people, the the sanitation workers, um, you know, healthcare nurses, doctors, people running hospitals. We see that they're important, but we'd often take that stuff for granted. So for me, it's definitely the essential worker. That would be mine hands down. Because then it encompasses like Fauci and these guys who are essential to doing the job, right? It comes, it it covers all of them without naming them specifically. You can easily put Anthony Fauci in that group of essential workers. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I don't think he's the essential worker, but I think that if you're going to honor the people who contributed the most, like you can actually, you know, Anthony Fauci was a great advisor, but was drowned out. So if you're if you're voting for Anthony Fauci, you're kind of just saying that is a fuck you to Trump. Yeah. You're not really, you're not really doing it in good consciousness. Cuomo did the best with the, he, he dealt with uh, a pretty shitty lot in a pretty well, in a pretty good way. Like I think he handled things better than any other governor in the country. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's just one state considering that he was in a crumpling. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at everything else that's going on now. We're not on our second wave. We are on our third wave and it's bigger than any other. And I would argue you're still on the first wave really. Yeah, exactly. It never actually went low. Yeah. If you look at New York, the numbers were super low and now they're starting to rise again. But still, like I said, low positivity ratings, things are okay here, relatively speaking. But yeah, he, I I wouldn't put him in there, although I do respect the work he's done. Uh, But yeah, I'd probably be with you on that. I can't really think of anything else, anybody like more important in this year. Like all these other guys, I mean, Mitch is on this list. Who the fuck wrote in Mitch? Who's who's voting for this guy? The shithead who who's like holding up relief. <laughs> I mean, I guess awful. if Hitler can win, then anybody you can win for good or bad, right? I mean, what did Hitler win for? Let's look it up. I had the list. Got the list so here. Thirty-eight. He oversaw the unification of Germany with Austria and the Sundentland in nineteen thirty-eight. Yeah, this is before. A bunch this is before all that. Uh, yes bad stuff started to come out. This is I when don't they know. Were like, this wow, is saying the cover was, a, was an illustration entitled Hitler plays the hymn of hate. Oh, never so mind. Nope, I think he right. was still kind of a monster, but Joseph yeah. Stalin was the year after they, man, they went yeah. on a, uh, they had a two year run of monsters. Yeah. And then Churchill came in <laughs> and then Franklin D Roosevelt and then Stalin again. Yeah. Wow. Interesting list of how things are chosen, but I think that based on the latest trend, it's a pretty safe bet that essential workers are going to be are going to be the winners here. Wasn't that that one year they just they had that mirror thing? It was like us, right? You, yeah, it was like you. You're the person of the year. It's yeah, 2006, representing individual content creators on the world wide web. You know, in retrospect, if that was the reason, it was a pretty forward looking move. Yeah. Like I mean, look, out. if you're able to say 2005, the good Samaritans are the people of the year, just give it to the, the whistleblowers. Like, it's kind of lazy. So, like, just give it to, don't pick one person, just give it to the essential workers. Represented by Bono, Bill Gates, and Melinda Gates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, or the whistleblowers here, it's represented by, you know, a whistle in Wikipedia, but then there are actual names of this. So, but their names just don't have Wikipedia attached to them. So, they just put a whistle. Yeah. And this is specifically about Enron. I'm going to write myself in. I, I would actually say like, so Jeff Bezos was on the, was person of the year in t- 1999. That would be the only other, that would be my second 
choice of this just because like imagine imagine this pandemic without amazon i i mean i i have but i get it i get, get what you're saying like amazon has saved it's kept things going but i'd also say that you can't reward that type of capitalism he's playing the end game of capitalism <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, the funniest thing on here is like you look at Rudy Rudy Giuliani in 2001, who I would say absolutely rightfully deserved America's mayor when he was was him on the list. Crazy to think about that. He was probably he couldn't have been higher regarded in 2001 than anybody else in the world. And now this is what he is. Yeah, I think um, I think you put him on again because he's the only one still fighting for our democracy. That's right. He's trying to invalidate all those fake votes. Anyway, enough of that shit. Let's move on to some uh, media therapy. And with that, I got a question for you. Where the hell did I put this thing? I wrote it down, wrote it down. Here we go. Who's older? Mark Strong or Paul Giamatti? Mark Strong. Mark Strong. Who's Mark Strong? Wow. Okay. He plays every bald British villain. Um, I I've thought about him when I he was in uh, both Kingsman movies. I, I don't want to look him up, but give me give me an example of like who he's played in a movie. In Kingsman, was he the bad guy? No, no, he was a good guy in the in the Kingsman. He played um he was the guy who was in both movies. He was the friend, he was the bald guy. He's the bald guy. He was the he was the uh villain in the first Sherlock Holmes movie. He, um, oh, he was the villain in Shazam, the grown up villain. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know you're he always about plays a bald villain. Like, yeah. that's, that's him. Um, he was, but recently I saw him in Robin Hood again, the one with Russell Crowe, where he played, uh, where he played like the main bad guy in that movie, too. What else was he in? He was in another like superhero movie, right? He's, he was the bad guy in a superhero movie, Kick Ass. That's what it is. Yes. Okay. No, no, Green exactly. Lantern. Oh man, that guy's age. I don't even. Again, like it's just hard because I don't really think he is. A, this guy is ageless. I, I'm going to say this. Everybody oh, in Robin Hood Bezos. hasn't aged. Like if if anyone was to play Jeff Bezos, it would be this dude. Yeah, he's he's like the British Stanley Tucci. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'll confuse him and Stanley Tucci all the time. Yeah, I think this dude. If anyone was to play Jeff Bezos, it would be him. Yeah, you do a pretty good job. You're just looking for bald white people. It would be, I'm just looking would be for him. White Stan, really Stanley Tucci would also be a good choice. With like strong supervillain features with just bezels kind of looks like a supervillain yeah. when he cut his the, hair and got jacked, right? The worst way I could have not I could have uh, narrowed down Mark Strong would be uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy because every British person was in that movie. I love that movie. Huh. So Age-wise, I mean it's tough because this guy's like the bald guys make it hard. Mhm. But there's sure no does. way he's younger than Paul Giamatti. Like, no way. Like, he's got to be, like, maybe a, a year older than him, like a year or two. Like, it's close. Like, it's really close. It's got to be super close, like six months or a year. So I'm going to say he's older, but not by a ton. He is older. He is four years older than Paul wow. Giamatti. So he's, like, late 50s then. Yeah. I would yeah, have not guessed that. He's 57. Yeah. Huh. It's crazy. He looks great, and he looks the same. He's always looked the same in every role. Because I, I, I didn't look him up. I want to look him up now. Yeah, look him up. Right. I'm going to say this though, and this is why I brought this up as well. I, yeah, I rewatched uh, Bezos. What are you talking? A hundred percent. I mean, he's taller than Bezos. 
He's six two. But no, this dude is told if I'm if I'm gonna cast the Jeff Bezos movie, it's him or Stanley Tucci, and I'd argue that this dude's a better fit. Yeah, but Stanley Tucci. Damn. Okay. Who's did you look up Stanley Tucci yet? Who do you think's older, Mark Strong or Stanley Tucci? <laughs> this dude. I Stan, Stanley Tucci's gotta be his mid fifties, right? No, Stanley Tucci's 60. He's older. Oh, okay. older Paul, which is really upsetting for Paul Giamatti because Stanley Tucci wow, is yeah, great. And he also, he also wow. has it. Yeah. Huh. Paul Giamatti needs to like work the algorithm and update the, uh, the, the first image that shows up on Google. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I love you, Paul. I'm just waiting for him to get on the show. Someone, someone's got to know him, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably ask around and figure out if someone knows him. God, Paul Giamatti is so young. <laughs> he's so young, but he's so old. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I, I it's rare, but I, I've watched some movies. I'm going to start this uh, this one because I, I watched Robin Hood. And I my unpopular opinion, I don't hate that movie. I, I find it quite enjoyable. It's a very adequate movie russell crowe russell crowe in it mark strong mark mark strong in it um one of the earliest examples of one of the earliest uh roles that i could think of for oscar isaac and um and what's her name that that woman who is uh god damn it i'm blanking on her name the the latest bond girl from specter anyway um but yeah very very okay movie a lot of uh, a lot of fun monologues, very uh, great music, like with its sweeping score. And uh, yeah, my biggest problem with that movie is that it's is that it ends by saying I remember it was because I think I saw that movie in theaters and the way it ended, I hated because I was like, wait, you can see a Robin Hood movie. And it ends by saying the legend begins. So the actual Robin Hood story doesn't actually start until the movie ends, which is silly. But the rest of the movie is like uh, it's a it's a fun show, the Superman show, right? Where he becomes Superman like the very last episode. I never watched it, but the TV show where oh small small yeah, but that wasn't called Superman. It would be (laughs) it would be like if the show was called Superman, and then at the end he's like, "I became Superman," and then that was the season finale. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, but as a as like a Middle Ages British romp, it's fun. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, I watched that. I, I watched, uh, for the first time ever, I watched the hunt for the wilder people. Watched that with the, with the family last night. That movie is great. And I'm upset that it took this long for me to watch it. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm, we didn't talk about that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, That's a a Kiwi classic. Yeah. Uh, those people are hard to understand. Uh, but (laughs) But it was still quite good. You want to talk about cultural appropriation? How do they feel about Sam Neill playing a Kiwi? It's pass. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, but it's directed by Taika, right? So yeah, but every every other movie, every other he, he is Taika's a force, man. Everything he does is hilarious. Like that church scene where he plays the priest is hilarious. Like the second Taika shows up, you know you're going to be laughing your ass off whenever he just says anything. Talented guy, man. Real talented dude. So. He's great. And he doesn't really do any like he's not a classical comedian, is he? Like he's not he doesn't do stand up or anything doesn't like that, right? Not that I know. Again, it's sort of this group of people around Wellington 
who all sort of kind of came out of the same schooling and the same sort of writing, right? So it's much more of a writer, but not a stand-up person, much more of getting into the film industry in New Zealand and doing like Flight of the Concord stuff, really. is like that's, I guess it's more sort of variety shows and comedy stuff, but not like traditional and again, I would say it's probably much more of kind of the British way of doing things, right? You do sketch shows and stuff more than I'm going to go become Dave Chappelle and do stand-up or Chris Rock and do stand-up and then turn that into a movie career. Yeah. I mean, but as a character actor, he's just so funny. Like everything he does, you always want more of it and you can never get a lot of it. And maybe that's the charm. Maybe that's why it's so good. Like he's in that movie for what, three minutes? Yeah. And, and it's the funniest part of the movie. I mean, the movie's great. I mean, the fact, don't get me wrong. I mean, the fact that he's able to play Hitler- Exactly that too. <laughs> like, it's obviously, he's obviously a talented guy. He was hilarious in that as well. I, I mean, the guy's just a force. I feel bad that I that it took so long for me to watch that movie, but yeah, the movie's great. Yeah, I wish I would have said something because I saw the movie in the movie theater and the Kiwis loved it. L- lots of laughing. Yeah, yeah, it was great, and they and they understood everything, which I'm sure helped. Um, whereas <laughs> I was kind of like 85, percent but it's it had a lot of heart. It's a great movie. Highly recommend. It's on Netflix, so that's why I watched it. And then Have you the seen last, what we do on the Have you watched that movie? I haven't seen that one. No. It's another one that you might enjoy. I mean, it's silly. It's really silly, but another one that you might enjoy. Yeah, Critically gotta, acclaimed. Yeah. Got to check it out. And then the last thing I watched again, um, because gaming-wise, I'm doing the same thing. I don't really have much update. I'm still playing Yakuza. Still playing Hyrule. Played more Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which is it's fun. It's exactly what you'd expect um it's a performance disaster but it's it's still a lot of fun and and then the last thing i watched another rewatch but one of my favorite movies of all time just because i was like "Ah, i want to put something on just like some comfort food right oceans 11 2000 oceans 11 i love that movie it's so good it might be a perfect movie like it's great might be good it's very good it's so it's so good and as i'm watching it for i don't know i i've had to see that movie like a dozen times at least like i could i could practically say the whole movie verbatim if i needed to uh but the the mormon brothers the guys played by um uh casey affleck and scott Kahn, those guys are like the mvp tied for mvp of that group no doubt they are everywhere and do everything in that movie. Like it's crazy how much stuff they do compared to everybody else. They are they're the grunt guys doing all the work. They're always in the field and they're always getting it done. So rewatch all rewatch uh, Ocean's Eleven. It's a treat. It still holds up. Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. I mean, those guys are just a lot of those guys are dying too. Carl Reiner, he died earlier this year. He's great. And in it. just to think, Bernie Mac's been gone for a long time. I know. Sad. He was one of the funniest people ever. He really was. Yeah. And I mean, he was in those great. Charlie's Angels movies. <laughs> he sure was. He sure was. Probably could have been in uh, in the new one too. Yeah. Because they they referenced the uh, the other Bosleys as well. Because like Bosleys was like a group of things. That movie was so weird. <laughs> you should watch it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should watch maybe it should. if only to see like the, the there is like I think I said it before but it, yeah I, I don't know I remember like when watching the first watching like Rampage I think when we were talking about that and uh, no not Rampage what was that oh wait was it Rampage 
No. Oh, yeah, maybe it was. Who was the one with the Daddario, Alexandra Daddario? No, that wasn't Rampage. That was San Andreas. No, San Andreas, the other, the other movie with the I mean, rock. I, uh, yeah, I just remember, I remember I, worked on one. I didn't work on the other one. So Right, yeah. I knew it was wrong when I was saying Rampage, but I was like, yeah, it also had that Fantastic Four guy in it. Um, yeah, but I remember like watching that, and I'm like, she's like distractingly beautiful. Like she's just yes. a really good looking person. And then in Charlie's Angels, you got you got this this woman in there. God, what was her name? What was her name? I'm sorry, her name. Uh yeah, it was like her first her first role. But this girl, uh Ella Belinska, I think that's her. Yeah. Also fits that profile of like distractingly beautiful. <laughs> so worth watching it for that. <laughs> yeah. You know. And and there are all the leads are fun. So it's it's not a terrible it's not the worst thing in the world but it's just exceedingly average in every other yeah thing. and that's what it seems like it's just it's something that someone put into a machine that said which or what movie are we going to remake and it was this one that popped out so yeah. and really Elizabeth Banks should have just made a fourth Pitch Perfect movie because <laughs> yeah. that's that's really all we want and that's that's yeah, it for me for media I therapy she, I forget that she directed this <laughs> yeah. what a strange what career she. She's had an amazing career. It's very, it's very weird. Like if you watch it, she just all of a sudden becomes a like a director and a writer, and and seems to do well, like well, at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, she started with the state, right? I think one of her first spray roles was um, what was that movie? Um, God damn it! It was the uh, yeah, the David Wayne movie. Stuff, like a ton of stuff. She used to pop up in everything. So good on her. She's using the most of uh. She's using the most of her talent to get Hot American Summer. That was like one of her first big. She used to do like the jokey, like scream yeah. knockoff movies, right? Like she used to just do all this crazy stuff. I think she was in that? She was in movie 43. Yeah, there you go. That's like one of those where it's like it's making fun of other stuff. Oh, yeah, but that that's yeah, such that's, an you anomaly. Her to be in those types of movies now where her career has sort of gone, where she's directing movies and doing pretty well. I think she directed movie 43. She sure did. No, that was that that movie forty three. I'm looking at the Wikipedia. She directed movie forty three was done by Vince Offer, the Slap yeah, Chop. She directed guy one of the, the Sham. Movies. That's the, that was the Sham Wow and Slap Chop guy. <laughs> Why do I know this? I don't know. Why do I know that without looking it up? Movie though, I think a lot of people directed this. Yeah, who directed this? There's like ten names on this directed list. Yeah, but it wasn't wasn't Vince Offer at the top of the list. It was his whole thing. Uh, maybe he's not on this. Bob Odenkirk is is on the director list. James Gunn is on the director list. Brett Ratner's on the director list. So yeah, everyone directed this movie, which is why it might came out the way that it is. Film co-directed and produced by Peter Farley and written by Rocky Russo. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure this dude's <laughs> this maybe I'm wrong. Maybe dude. it wasn't that. Uh, maybe he did something else. Why did I think? God, Vince Offer. Who's older, Vince Offer or Paul Giamatti? <laughs> Paul Giamatti, right? He's got to be older than Vince Offer. No, Vince Offer's fifty-six. Wow. He's older. Wow, wow. Paul Giamatti. Oh man, but Vince Offer. Oh looks God, this dude's rough. This dude's older than. Holy crap, he is. That's hilarious. He's older than him by a lot. Yeah, Vince wow. Offer looks like a creepy ass dude. It's very creepy. So about you? What kind of uh yours? He's a member of the tribe. <laughs> His name is Offer Offer Shlomi. How do you mm. pronounce that? Shlomi? 
I was wrong about the movie 43 thing. He had nothing to do with it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Must have been something else. Oh, man. Wow. He's also, uh, yeah, he's got lots of lawsuits. The underground comedy movie. Yeah, might have been that. All right. Anyways, um, did we talk about Queen's Gambit? I think you talked about it a little bit. It's quite I haven't, hot, I haven't watched it again. Yeah, that's it's 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 all of a sudden gotten super popular. Mm-hmm. It's like Netflix most watch short series ever, and she's gonna win a bunch of awards. I think so. Um, but yeah, but otherwise, haven't watched too much stuff. I rewatched, um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is a great oh. movie. Yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, lots of fun. So that's pretty much it. That's uh, it's a good movie. And the dude now he just sings with Muppets. <laughs> that's that dude's job. So I can think about this dude just makes Muppet movies now. Um, that was kind of the prelude to that. That was the prelude of him making the Dracula musical in the movie to him just doing movies with Muppets. Now that's just what is that's what he yeah. does. I can't he's, remember the dude's name. It's Jason something, but he's just a Muppet dude. Yeah. So his, Jason's yeah. His his pitch was this is my vampire Muppet production. Here's my dick. And let me make a Muppet he showed, movie. He showed himself a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Russell Brand's in that movie too. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. It's Russell Brand, as you can see. Like, oh yeah, this guy definitely does a lot of drugs. And then come to find out a couple years later, yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. Man, Russell Brand. I I, I'm a big fan of uh, Get Him to the Greek. Good movie. I mean, Jonah Hill's in this movie as well. And then you can kind of see, okay, this is where they basically came up with this idea of. Get him to the Greek was basically through doing this movie. Yeah. Get him. Uh, Puff Taddy's in that too. That was the. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Again, it's an interesting. It's an interesting ensemble of people who are in this Judd Apatow world of making movies and a lot of good movies. God bless. Him. Oh, Have, the other thing I also watched as well was Best in Show. So been on a bit of a movie, old movie kick. Best in Show is still funny. still funny. A lot of nostalgia here. Yeah. Is I, that I hit the time? So. Of those movies, that guy's movies is that is that your well, one of best in show is a, is a Christopher Guest movie. Yeah, Christopher Guest. So of Christopher Guest's mockumentaries, because he did Spinal Tap. Spinal did, Tap is uh, the, has to be the one. That, I mean, but Spinal Tap is also old. Like Spinal Tap was made before we were born. Yeah, let's see. This like, is Spinal Tap. I believe was 83, 84. 84. Like, yeah. Yeah. Spinal Tap is very old. Like, it, you don't think it is because of how much people still sort of reference it or at least did reference it. But yeah, that's an old movie where Best in Show is, two th- it looks much older than it is, but it's 2000s, right? Early 2000s, 2002. Uh, Best in Show, let's see. 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's got a lot of good movies. Like, Waiting for Guffman. It's all part of the same mockumentary style. And apparently there's one new one that's a Netflix film that I haven't watched. Um, it's called Mascots. But for me, Best in Show is the is the best out of all those. Just because it's, at the time, it was like, why is he making a movie about dog shows? And then you find out like how ridiculous it is. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being good. I think I've only seen it one time. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And Eugene Levy, is uh, he's become a force with this other show that he's doing, right? So that dude's just a funny guy. Oh, he's in something now? Eugene Levy. Yeah, I mean, they won a bunch of Emmys for that that Netflix. Um, what is it? Shit's uh, Creek TV show. Oh, that, he's on that, that show. Right? Yeah, with a son who looks exactly like him. <laughs> it's like the same eyebrows and everything. So everybody's going crazy. Yeah, he's got thick eyebrows. Damn. 
Yeah, the eyebrows are strong. <laughs> strong eyebrows on that. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Sarah Levy? Or Daniel Levy? Daniel oh, yeah. Levy. Daniel Levy's got his... Uh, yeah, it looks exactly like it. It's like a young sure. version of it. He's got the same strong eyebrows. So. Yeah, can't that shave him either. That's... Joe Shakes Creek has won a ton of awards. Oh, this is funny. Yeah. There's a picture of the two of them together, and yeah, you could definitely see the that's eyebrows. Can't yeah. deny that that child. So that's a levy. That's a levy. Speaking of people of the tribe, that's that's definitely a- oh for sure strong, <laughs> strong tribe participation by those two. So strong, yeah, that's it. strong so tribe presence. The, yeah, so I'm going through the uh, the wayback machine, watching some old movies, like good old days. So yeah, we'll get. Uh, Get Ocean's Eleven on that list. If you yeah, haven't sure, seen it in, sure. in a minute, it's it's a good watch. It's so fun. Probably the Angels, so we can come back and talk about it. Yeah, you can tell me what you think about that mess. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Cool. Well, that's it. Yeah, I don't have uh, I don't have anything else. I I don't even have anything uh, clever to say either. Check out the uh, check out the whatever. I don't even remember. I'm I'm tired. Review it. Review us. Subscribe, iTunes, do all that stuff. John will give you a dollar of some of some monetary consequence. But to say, just think, I could have given you Bitcoin, and you'd be—I mean, you were rolling more dough last week, but you'd still be rolling a dough. Bitcoin's take a bit of a beating, so. Yeah, but yeah, because all the people were on top of that. They're like, "Is this the top of the mountain?" And they just all jumped, <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah. I'd have yeah, cashed said, out oh, wait, too if I saw it. Like, I can take my money off the table. Awesome, I'm going to do it. Yeah, what was it? Bitcoin was at let's see, it was like sixty thousand or some crazy thing. No, twenty thousand. It's like nineteen thousand, almost 19, twenty thousand. Now it's gone back to sixteen. So, anyways, look, you you might get a fraction of a Bitcoin. You never know. That's cool. Yeah, why not? Right? Like if 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 yeah, if it's at like nineteen thousand, I'd absolutely sell. Like you get if you're someone who has like a couple Bitcoin, yeah, I'd sell at least one. Yeah. That's an easy paycheck. It's still at like seventeen thousand dollars. Yeah, it's worth a lot of money. Worth a lot of money. But the question is, yeah, is it worth I, more than what you got right now? What's it worth? I remember you got you bought I'll never forget you bought Rocket League with Bitcoin, right? I did. I sure did. <laughs> so I do you go remember? back and look at those see how much money did I yeah. have I actually spent buying games in Bitcoin? Is it like thousands of dollars now? Yeah that, that game that, cost me. That might be the most expensive game ever bought. <laughs> Might be. I mean, I mean, there's stories all the time about people buying pizza with Bitcoin when it was like five dollars a coin, and so they go ever? buy pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was real cheap in early 2000s. I believe Bitcoin at one point was like oh, before it was know. actually tracked on the markets because the earliest record of Bitcoins on I'm looking at Google right now and it's showing 327. No, like I said, yeah, that's before but that was 2015. It. That was 2015. Yeah, exactly. I would say that the Bitcoin that I currently own, I bought in 2012, and it was at like a hundred bucks. It was a hundred bucks a coin. Wow. But it was way before that. I remember when Bitcoin first became known to me. It was like people were buying pizzas with it <laughs> for like it's like yeah, like five bucks for a Bitcoin. So I hey, I bought a pizza for like six Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to have it that kind of foresight. It is. It's oh, super man. fascinating. Again, if those guys just would have, so yeah, 10 years ago, I'll read the story. 10 years ago, Laszlo Hyensik bought pizza with 10K Bitcoin, so 10,000 Bitcoin. Oh, no. So he's the first person to 
Bitcoin as a transa- in a commercial transaction, which was May twenty second, two thousand and ten, when it was little of it was little over a year old. He bought two pizzas for ten thousand bitcoins. So that is now known as Bitcoin Pizza Day. So with one bitcoin now worth <laughs> time, this article written right. So this is a while ago. Now Bitcoin is worth nine thousand five hundred dollars. Is apparently a joke. Um, and Hanjek's forty-five million dollar pizzas are the punchline. So this dude bought two pizzas with ten thousand bitcoins. So it used to be that cheap in two thousand and ten. So just a decade ago, <laughs> that's how much it was worth. So that would be three. So mm-hmm. wait a minute. One, two, three. One, two, three. So that's one hundred seventy-six million dollars. One hundred seventy-six point six seven eight. Billion. Two Papa John's. Oh, it wasn't even good pizza. Yeah, it was Papa John's. <laughs> oh no! Oh yep. no! Papa John's. Two Papa John's pizzas on May twenty second, now known as Bitcoin Pizza Day. Laszlo agreed to pay ten thousand bitcoins to two delivered Papa John's pizzas. Organized on Bitcoin Talk Forum, the Florida man reached out for help. I'll pay ten thousand bitcoins for a couple of pizzas, like maybe two large ones, so I have some left over for the next day. <laughs> I, I like having leftover pizza to nibble on later. You can make the pizza yourself and bring it to my house or order it for me from a delivery place. But what I'm aiming for is getting food delivered in exchange for Bitcoins where I don't have to order or prepare myself. Kind of like ordering a breakfast platter at a hotel or something. They just bring you something to eat and you're happy. And a British man took Handshake up on his offer and bought two pizzas for him in exchange for the 10,000 Bitcoins. Even then, the recipient of the Bitcoins got himself a bargain, paying $25 for the pizza, while 10,000 Bitcoins were around, were worth around 41 bucks at the time. What? So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so at some point... Did you the do guy, the did like this dumb fuck like, know what he was doing? Like... Uh, so look, it just says since forty one dollars at the time. Then you still have like that's still four. Yeah, that's four hundred thousand dollars. Well, again, no. To the ten thousand bitcoins were worth forty one bucks at a time. Oh, okay, so got it. Yeah, so Bitcoin bit- itself is worth forty one dollars. Real quick, right? Like, let's do the math. I should be able to do this in my head, but I can't. No, because... they're like fractions of a dollar. They're like for nothing. Yeah, it is. It's like literally fra- It's like pennies. Yeah, less um, than that. Like point zero zero zero. It's something like that. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, his pizza was... um, So, despite the astronomical rise in price of Bitcoin, it seems Handcheck is not phased about this deal. It wasn't like Bitcoins had any value back then. So, the idea of trading them for pizza was incredibly cool, he told the New York Times. So, this dude's happy with it. But if he had 10,000 Bitcoins, I'm assuming he had a lot more because he might have also been mining them at the time. Anyways, look. If you put a review in, you might get some Bitcoin, and that Bitcoin, that fraction of a fraction, might at some point be worth as much as this guy's pizzas are worth. God, that's like the the best. People say, like, what would you do, like, if you had a time machine, right? Like, is, oh, yeah, that, is that the easiest? Out. Is that the easiest way to get rich? Yeah, and then you sell them because you know when to sell them, right? Twenty eighteen was when Bitcoin hit its peak. Yeah, and then you, you sell and them. then you sell them in the pando, like that's. So it's like, here's what's going to happen. Like you tell somebody in 2010, it's like, look, here's what's going to happen. Okay. This thing called Bitcoin is going to come out. No one's going to understand it. You're going to buy a hundred thousand of them for like 200 bucks. Okay. Then in 2020, when Donald Trump is president and there's a pandemic, 
you and there's a global pandemic that that's infecting millions and killing hundreds of thousands of people around the world, but mostly in the United States, you could sell them for twenty thousand dollars a pop. Cool. Yep. And they'd be like, what? And then you just leave. <laughs> and you go back. So look, people. And then and then when Donald Trump's running in 2016, they're like, he's not going to win. He's like, well, I got Bitcoin that are worth like thousands of dollars right now. So they seem to be on the rise. Everything that time travelers said seemed to be correct at this point. But just think, you still can be ahead of the curve. Still. I don't know, man. Yeah, probably, right? Who would have thought it would go from pennies to eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars in ten years? Imagine another ten years. What if it's worth one hundred nineteen thousand? Still a good investment. What if it's worth three dollars? Yep, you never know. That's why it's an investment. Yep, exactly. Well, check it out. Go send us Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, send us Bitcoin. Just one. We'll take one Bitcoin, please. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll take one Bitcoin. Sure, one Bitcoin. Thanks. We'll share it. We'll split it. Send it to John. I'll trust he'll split it because he's got the wallet. That's the other thing. How many like random loose paper wallets are just out there? Oh, there's people who have thrown away hard drives that had thousands of bitcoins on them because they used to mine them and they threw away the computer and they go back to try and find the hard drive. So yeah, Bitcoin, there's probably they're a ton of bitcoin that are lost and there's only a finite amount of bitcoin. I believe there's only exactly. 18 million bitcoin that can ever be created or something like that. There's some number. That's that kind of cool there, though. Created. It's it. So if you have them, you have to hold on to them because at some point they're going to run out and you might be one of the only people that has Bitcoin. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's very exciting times. If you didn't understand any of that, I don't here, I don't, I don't confirm nor deny if I own Bitcoin. You never know, but you might get one. Or at least a, the, the equivalent of a dollar's worth. I might have been buying all video games with them and maybe I am a complete financial wreck. <laughs> Got the house. Maybe it was paid with Bitcoin. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, until next week, this podcast is over. <laughs>